Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, we're about, uh, when we're recording this, about you know, almost 26 hours away from the kickoff. Just to, uh, talking with our guest here before, this, it's, it's amazing how quick the Thursday night's game, the Thursday night games come around. You don't realize it, and you know, usually plan things out, you know, as you do football and you work in football and the things we all do, you have no idea how crazy and hectic you went uh, in the end of a game Sunday at 4 p.m. to roll into an 8.30 start on Thursday night. Yeah, as much as you think it's a great thing, when that work component adds to it, it gets really hectic really quick. But I'm having a lot of fun this week. I've gotten to talk to a lot of people. Very excited for this one here. Uh, obviously, part of Bleacher Report, part of Stick to Football, Stick to the Jets. Uh, still does some work over a turn on the Jets. You know, one of my favorite Jet sites. Connor Rogers. God, it's been too long, Connor. How's everything going, buddy? It really has, Jeff. Thanks for having me, dude. How are you? Uh, good. You know, I mean, we're in full swing over here. The kids are back in school. Everyone's sad. I'm ecstatic, you know, because now I'm not the only <laughs> one that's getting up at the ass crack of dawn, Connor. So, I mean, you know, things are getting back to normal here. I like the school. Yeah, get them out of the house, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, what time do you got to be at drop-off? 7.15? No problem. Let's go. <laughs> I love it. I don't know much about that life, but I'll tell you what. I can imagine I will be agreeing with you at some point. Yeah, everybody. Everybody's like, "Oh, the baby stuff," and it's so great. Yeah, no, 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 no. I love the fact that they're uh, eleven and a half and ten and a half now, and most of the time, if they're not in school and they have no commitments the next day, they're gone. Dad, can I have twenty bucks? See you later. Sure, you coming home? Eh, maybe not. <laughs> All right, it's all good. But uh, kind of, we do have some things to talk about here this week. Um, you know, now, now for me, this is going to be the interesting thing. My first release podcast for Lockdown Browns was September twenty second, twenty seventeen. So this is the last shot here for me, Connor. Browns don't pull out a win here. I went O for the year. Uh, in the oh, first God. Year this year. So it's tough. It's going to be a tough one. We'll see how it plays out that way. Um, unlike the Cleveland Browns, the New York Jets um, have decided to take the rookie quarterback and put him out there right away. Look, everybody's got their own different course of action. If you had told me Sam Darnold went to Cleveland and they started him right away, or if Baker Mayfield went to the Jets, they didn't start him right away. Everybody's got their own course of action with these quarterbacks at the end of the day, you just got to let each franchise handle it the way it is. I think Sam, week one, I think it was great the way it worked because everything clicked for the team. So he was able to get his feet wet and didn't really have to do too much because everything else on the team, defense, special teams, the running game, it all clicked. And then, you know, week two where he was a little bit more comfortable, you saw it was a little bit tougher against a better opponent. But how are things looking so far for number 14? Well, I think there's been as expected ups and downs with Darnold so far. I think obviously week one, he got the the low out of the way real quick. He threw the pick six on his first pass attempt. And then it was all up from there for the New York Jets. And Darnold included, who played a very good game. I think he completed 16 of his 20 next passing attempts, you know, almost 200 yards, two touchdowns. So all good from there. Miami was a little bit different, but really almost a bit of the same, where you had the ups and downs just scattered throughout. He threw the two interceptions. One was clearly on him where he really got fooled by a safety coming down to the box. That fake shifted over to one side, bit back into the middle, and Darnold was going right there, and it was right into his lap. The other one was a little different where Terrell Pryor ran. Barely you could even call it a route, I would say, Jeff. You know a little bit about that. It was a sloppy, wide receiver. sloppy route. Yeah, I mean, But at least yeah. if you're going to dog it, then turn into a DB. Tackle the guy. Do something to try and help your quarterback out. Yeah, which Robbie Anderson did at one point in this game on a bad Sam Darnold throw. So, you know, there's been guys helping him out at times, like Anunwa picking up yards after the catch. There's been guys hurting him at times, like Pryor and Chris Herndon. 
But at the end of the day, the Jets have to be happy with what they're getting out of Sam Darnold here. Sam Darnold did not lose them this game against Miami. The defense had a couple bad looks. Overall, they were okay. And once again, it was just bad, timely drops. And yes, Sam Darnold contributed with the turnovers, but the Jets are very happy with where he's at right now. Things are not going to be easy, though, when you look at this matchup against Cleveland. This is the Jets' third game in 11 days, so they really haven't had the time to prep, especially when you have a 21-year-old kid essentially under center for this team and an offense that, let's be real, the offensive line has really struggled and has forced him to make things happen on the move. Thank God he's been able to do that. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make things any easier. So it's a big test for him on the road. Like I said, third game in 11 days, a Cleveland front that is very nasty. I think we're going to find out a lot about where Sam Darnold is at in this game, more so than the other two. Now, I'm glad you brought up the offensive line because I do want to go here. Uh, just answer for me this one quick. Who would you say is the top offensive lineman on this New York Jets offensive line? Oh, I don't even think it's close. I think it's Brandon Shell, the right tackle. And I know that's not a popular opinion, but I think he is far and away the best Jets offensive lineman. I think he's been very, very reliable this year. The left side has been a nightmare. James Carpenter and Kelvin Beecham have gotten beaten like a drum, and it was really bad against Robert Quinn in Week 2 against Miami. It looked like 19-sack season Robert Quinn, not the Robert Quinn of the last two years where he's been hurt and underperforming. And I don't know if that says a lot about Quinn's return or a lot about the Jets' problems on that left side. Spencer Long at center has been fine. Brian Winters at guard looks healthy and fine. But it's Brandon Shell on this unit. But like I said, Jeff, that left side gives you nightmares. And then you figure, you know, Brandon Shell at best, if he plays at this pace, he'll be a middle-of-the-pack right tackle. Yeah. So this is what yeah. I'm trying to explain to you guys. This offensive line, yeah, I mean, you, you know a lot of the names, but they're – you know, mid-market guys, nothing spectacular. And now, and most of the group, except for Shell, is an older group. Got to come back four days. And, Connor, there are some mad athletes on this Cleveland defensive line. It has been so much fun to watch this far. Oh, well, I'm aware because I scouted all these guys and got a close look. They're all youngsters. That's the thing. These aren't guys that were, you know, coming out of college when I wasn't doing this. And now to see them excelling, this quickly, Jeff, that's the crazy thing. Like, I knew Miles Garrett was a hit, and I knew Miles Garrett can be an instant impact player. But when you look at Larry Ogunjobi, I, I know Ogba's been banged up, but he's still a player up there up front. And then, I, I mean, when you look at the value in Gennard Avery's, I mean, this is a player that a lot of us liked, and he just fell in the draft. And now the Browns are like, man, what a fine. This guy looks great. It's just mind-blowing to me how well Cleveland has done drafting in the front seven recently. Yeah, and the Avery, the funniest thing was is because normally when you hear of a fifth-round pick, you know, getting a little ding-ding camp, which Jernard Avery did, it's like, all right, well, maybe we'll get to see the kids sometime mid-September, late September, because you sometimes are really get lost into the numbers. He came back, the week two game was ready to go, and he was out there within like four snaps. So you knew that this coaching staff really felt they found something. Everybody really liked Avery. I think the thing was is everybody was, oh, well, he's a linebacker that can do a little bit of everything. And I think Cleveland just yep. said, you want to know what? We don't really need a linebacker right now. So if he can get, if he can create pressure, and we've already got guys on this line who are going to make it really easier for him because he's never going to see a double team with the other guys on this line, and he's just hit the ground running. I mean, he really has. It was in the preseason. Now carries into the regular season. I know battling some injury. 
Uh, but when you look at it there, it's such a nice pick, especially it sounds like Chad Thomas is off to a very slow start there. So uh, when you look at how this group is performing, it's nice to hit on a pick like that right away. And, and I know Christian Kirksey's been hurt, but he's a reliable player at weak side linebacker. I love Denzel Ward. I feel like they got the true number one corner in the secondary. The rest of it is a little questionable at times, but they're going to get there. And that front seven does a lot of favors by creating so much pressure, which I just watched the coaches film of the Saints game. And, I mean, man, they, they were blowing things up. And, I mean, everybody got a little bit of chance to make a play on the ball because of the throws they were forcing. But just very impressed overall with the Browns' defense so far. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, like some of these fans, and look, when a roster's turned over 31 out of 53, it, like you're still not going to have everything, guys. And this is what I've been trying to tell these listeners. You're not going to have everything. Maybe you still got questions at left tackle. You still maybe have questions at cornerback, too. But, you know, I mean, Rome was not built in a day. Guys, uh, ever since I've taken over the podcast, people want to ask me for a lot of the football advice. You know, a lot of it is betting and fantasy-wise. Look, I can give you my fantasy opinions. I play, but there's a million, there's a millions of them out there. Betting, I can give you who I think is going to win. I can't guarantee you anything. What I can guarantee you is it's not so much who you're betting on as where who you're betting with. MyBookie.com, extremely, extremely reliable site. They've been in business for years. They have great uh, reviews online. Their mobile site is always very simple and very easy to use. I would only recommend a, a service that's been, to my listeners, that's been good to me. This is why I'm urging you to make your way to MyBookie.com. You win, they pay. It is that simple. They have in-game, live betting, over-unders on fantasy players. That's one of my favorite aspects of MyBookie.com because you're sitting with a buddy watching a game at a bar and, all right, let's put a little money on it. Let's see if this guy's going to get his 16 and a half he's supposed to get. Uh, MyBookie, they're very slammed right now. Obviously, you know, everybody, beginning of the year, everybody wants to get into the betting business and the betting game. So what they're going to do right now for any new subscribers, if you sign up with MyBookie after 7 p.m. Eastern, they're going to give you an extra $25. And this is not going to change this part. Once you sign up with MyBookie.com, they will match your initial deposit. So you put in $100, they are now giving you $125. So, guys, you're getting $25 on top of the money you're putting in instead in top of the money you're putting in. So, real chance here to make some money. Um, join us now, and MyBookie, like I said, will match you dollar for dollar. So you're getting that $25 extra if you do it after 7 p.m. Eastern. With this, guys, there is a new promo code. LOCKEDON25 is the new promo code. Visit MyBookie online uh, online today, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.com, MyBookie.com, you play, you win, you get paid. Uh, now, Connor, I do want to switch over to the other side of the ball. And now, you know, me and you and a bunch of guys, we, we've talked Jets and drafts and building this team forever. And every the one joke and the running joke has always been rinse, repeat. They need an edge rusher. They need a pass rusher. But I think what I liked to this point is they're getting some good pass rush out of the guys that are there. None of them are known as these, you know, going to be double-digit sack numbers. But right now it seems like they're getting some pretty solid pressure from these guys. Yeah, they've been okay. I mean, when you look at it, I think Henry Anderson has done done some really good things in the interior. I think teams are very well aware to shift all the attention to Leonard Williams. He he had a nice game against Miami, but he does see a lot of double teams. I think when you look at the edge pass rush – Brandon Copeland has really, you know, found a home here, and he's started a couple, you know, he started a couple games now in Flash. Jordan Jenkins has been just okay. I think he's been a little disappointing so far. He's I'm a curious. Calvin Pace light. Like, you know, he can kind yes. of set his edge in the run game, but he can't give you really anything as far as rushing. Yeah, well, he's a power rusher, too, and I know that's the one thing Desmond Harrison has struggled with a little bit. You know, he could be a waste spender at times, and I thought Harrison's played better than people have given him credit for so far. They didn't play Jeremiah Tauchu 
last week, and they should have because he had two pressures in like 10 snaps against the Lions, and I think he's their best edge threat. So I think you're going to see more of him Thursday night and a guy that could actually get after the quarterback out of this group. Now the secondary, uh, I, you know, I, I was I'm a Mo Claiborne guy. I think last year showed you that maybe he's fine as his cornerback too. They went out, they spent the big money. I mean, you went out and I mean got that guy. How is Tremaine Johnson? And obviously, I haven't seen Marcus May yet. But how is you know Tremaine Johnson transitioning and helping this secondary take it to even another level? Oh, Jermaine Johnson was the best player on the field for the Jets last weekend. He shut down Kenny Stills and did a marvelous job of doing that. You know, Claiborne is the guy that you shift to the second corner spot and things are good. The problems lie at Buster's screen. At the, and the Browns <laughs> fans know a lot about that. That's the funny thing. Buster I can't believe he's, a, he's survived yeah. there as long as he has Buster screen. I, I'm very curious to see <laughs> the Jets give Harry Nickerson some looks against this Browns team because – I think you're going to see Tremaine Johnson, you know, against Jarvis Landry. I think you're going to see Claiborne and a safety watching Callaway and his speed. I think when you look at the slot here, I think it's about time the Jets look at, you know, if Perry Dickerson could be a more effective player than screen. So the Jets one and two corners on the outside and Claiborne and Tremaine Johnson are very, very good. Their problems lie within the inside at the nickel position. Now, do you think uh, it's going to be Tremaine Johnson on the, on the line of scrimmage versus Jarvis Landry? Because that gives me some worry. Because you know Jarvis, you know obviously he thinks he is six foot five, three hundred and twenty pounds. But at the end of the day, Jarvis Landry is not, and he is a little bit of a smaller build guy. Um, and obviously, main part of him is the route running quickness. You know, in and out of his breaks. Uh, if Tremaine Johnson's on the line with him, maybe they're going to have to move Jarvis, Jarvis Landry in motion or try to find ways where they're going to make sure Tremaine does not take him. That's what I would do because I mean Tremaine Johnson is a, is a big corner at six foot two. He probably weighs at least two hundred pounds. He fits the part of a big press corner. He's actually listed at two thirteen. So that's how big of a guy he is. And you see it. Him and Claiborne. Claiborne's a smaller guy. They beat receivers up at the line of scrimmage. They don't want to let you off off the line of scrimmage and break into your your wrap. They don't give you a free release very often. And why would you against Jarvis Landry? So uh, I think the Browns are going to have to be creative here on the short week him open. I caught them doing that with Callaway last week, which is very smart. I'm curious to see if that burns the Jets at all this week. But if Jarvis Landry is going to have an impact in this game, you get him away from Tremaine Johnson. At least that's what I would recommend. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, most of the passing game is running through him right now, or he's usually always the first read. And Tyred Taylor, you know, has that, you know, non-ability where he's just going to kind of hold on to it and either take the sack or hope he can run around. So if Jarvis Landry is not allowed, is being you know forced from being getting to the spots in the area he needs to be, it, it could make for a long evening that way. Um, the run D, um, look, Cleveland really hasn't run the ball here well. A lot of people are you know, like upset about it, but when you announce your offensive line the Friday before your opener, and this is the line you're going to go with, you really can't expect the run game to hit the ground and hit, you know start moving so quickly. You know, whether or not maybe it is time for a Nick Chubb or Duke Johnson to get some touches, it's always time for Duke Johnson to get more touches, guys. It's always time. You extended the guy. He's got an 11 touches in two weeks. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, maybe, But maybe some thoughts here on Nick Chubb and how have the Jets looked so far, uh, uh, Connor, as far as, you know, defending the run? Well, I think they've looked pretty good, honestly. I think it's funny. The guy that gave them the biggest problem so far is Ryan Tannehill out of everyone. I mean, when you look at what they did against the Lions <laughs> week one, they shut them down. And they held Kenyon Drake and Frank Gore in check pretty much. It was Ryan Tannehill that beat them to the outside, which is 
what happens when you have really, you know, a guy like Copeland or Jordan Jenkins, an outside linebacker, and that's why a Tauchu should play a little more, get a little more athleticism there. I think that this is the one clear area where the Jets do have the upper hand in this game. I mean, when you look at their front, they're going to give Cleveland problems when the Browns try to run the ball in the interior. I know the Browns like to get cheeky and get things going on the outside. I saw it work once on a reverse for Callaway. Yep. I also saw it fail miserably twice, once on third down with Duke Johnson, another time with a repeat play of Callaway. I think this is the one area where the Jets do keep the Browns in check and something that gives them at least a shot on the road here playing so quickly again yeah and it, I mean and the other thing is is a, a lot of these Thursday night games come down to coaching staffs I mean obviously because you press for time game plan is there something someone found in a short area of time that can help you exploit something you know with a quick only you know 72 hour turnaround uh Connor I do want to get and if I'm gonna have you here we might as well slip in a little bit of draft talk Early things here is, look, Desmond Harrison, he may make it, he may not look. But if you can get a starting tackle for a couple of years as an undrafted free agent, absolute win in every sense of it. But I would say left tackle is probably one of their biggest needs right now. Give me a couple of the names right now and, you know, how's this class looking? Last year it was a little bit disappointing. And so it was really, you know, a, a tough time that Joe Thomas's body failed him and he had to hang him up. But is it looking a little more promising here this April? It's looking okay. I, I, it's interesting. I, li- I liked Desmond Harrison last year when, you know, he was a prospect at West Georgia trying to get his life together, and then really nothing went well for him throughout the draft process, whether it was the questions off the field, the low weight, all that stuff. But the talent was always there. And uh, I actually watched his first game on All-22 with Lance Erline and Jeff Risden, and we thought he played better than he was graded as and all what fans thought of. I haven't really watched him eat closely in the second game, but I think he's been okay. And I think the question with Harrison is a work ethic and focus. Can he improve to get better? Then he will be the Browns left tackle. If not, we're going to look at the draft next year. And that all starts with uh, with Jonah Williams for me, the left tackle at Alabama. He started since he stepped on campus at right tackle. Obviously Cam Robinson was there on the left side. Jonah flipped over to the left side now. And he's a guy where people are saying, okay, he might be a guard because of his lack of length. At the ne- I don't think that at all. This guy's an offensive tackle for me. That's where he'll play. That's where a smart team will draft him. You look at the other guys, this class is taking a hit. There's Greg Little. You know, people love the potential of him. And the other guy was Trey Adams at Washington. He just has injury after injury after injury. The torn ACL last year, the back now. At some point, this is who he is, Jeff. I mean – is if he declares, will he get drafted? Of course, but will he be a first-round pick? No way. So it, the offensive tackle class took a really big hit when we lost Trey Adams, who, judging by who I talked to, will return to school next year unless he does get a really, really higher than expected grade from the advisory board. Wow, that's that. That that will be a big hit then. And now look, uh, the Josh Gordon, you know, and there's still there's a lot of Browns fans that are, you know, uh, I can't believe. But, I mean, you kind of had a sense. Eventually, with anything, there's got to come a time where enough is enough. I think, personally, what it was is is they got to the point in the front office, now that it's new blood here and no relation you know, to Josh Gordon, I think what them for it was, it was some guys sitting down and saying, well, you know what, Miles Garrett is one of these team leaders. Jarvis Landry is one of these team leaders. You know, why, can we, why are we going to let this guy do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, when he's not even the best player or biggest contributor to this team. So at the end of the day, they finally moved on. But it does create a void. And it was funny because I, I know I had you on a talk draft, and I, one thing I kept harping on 
is they need at least two insurance policies at the wide receiver position. One for Gordon, yeah. one for Coleman. Neither one of them have anything to do with the, with the city of Cleveland, Ohio anymore. So, you know, obviously Jarvis Landry is, in my eyes, has already worked out better than I thought. He's running deeper routes. He, 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 they're, they're featuring him on those. They're not just doing the straight dink-dunk, which has been his M.O. for most of his career down in Miami. So that's looked really good. Callaway has looked good, too. But obviously, we're early here. Uh, there's some guys I like. Uh, the wide receiver class seems to be pretty good. I can't lie, that guy out in Tempe playing for Herm Edwards really catches my eye. Oh, of course he does. When you look at Harry, I mean, out in uh, Arizona State right now, you love the big body, the big frame. He catches the ball over people. He can make things happen after the catch, which you just love to see a little bit. Like Gordon yeah, the one, in, the one in week one where he took the, the short hitch on the left side and ended up doing the Marcus style, Marcus Allen style all the way across the field. I mean, 6'4", 215 and change. You're not supposed to be able to move like that. No, not at all. And there's other guys in this class. Now you have Hollywood Brown at Oklahoma, who a lot of people are comparing to Tyreek Hill. I'm one of the ones that started that. I get no yeah. credit for it. I hate that. I mean, I don't know if that's who he is, but God, this guy will kill you over the top, and he will kill you underneath. He plays bigger than 5'10", 170. And the names go on, though. I mean, everybody talks about A.J. Brown all summer at Ole Miss. I think his teammate, D.K. Metcalf, might be better than him, so... DK uh, Metcalf could be the best of this group. I mean, he he yeah. doesn't look like he really even knows what he's doing yet, and he just destroys. This receiver class is is very very impressive to me. Our Sega Whiteside at Stanford. I mean, then Buffalo with Anthony Johnson. I know we don't go look at since Khalil Mack. We don't always look at Buffalo for prospects, but Anthony Johnson. The list is so long. We could be here all day talking about them. But all you need to know is this is a very very impressive wide receiver draft. Guys, Matt Williamson hosts the Locked On NFL podcast. He does a fantastic job with it. His Monday shows. He has on, you know, hosts of, you know, the individual hosts of teams. So, you know, guys like me, whatever, whoever the big storylines of the weekend, Matt has them on Monday. Tuesdays, it's Sage Rosenfels, former NFL quarterback. So you're getting a lot of offensive breakdowns from Sage. Uh, Mike Renner from PFF. You're getting Mike Sando from ESPN. Friday, he does pick him shows for the games for the weekends. So go ahead, check out Matt Williamson and the Locked On NFL podcast. Connor, before I let you go, now, obviously, the Jersey boy that you are, the Jersey boy that I am. Um, look, Bruce Springsteen, big, big. I know you're a big fan, but everybody, you know, if you're not, everybody thinks of Born in the USA, and but there is so much deep music. So here's the thing. I'm letting you over to the barbecue, Connor. Uh, I'm letting you put on. <laughs> give, give me three Bruce Springsteen songs, three of your favorites that you're going to go ahead and let roll. Oh, God. Only this three. Is, right? I have to pick only three. Well, if you, if you could, I mean, no one's, I'm not going to kill you if you go to five, Connor. No, it's tough. You, I want to pull up. I have a playlist. This is a sick thing where I actually ordered them. Uh, it, you know, and it also comes down to if you're at a barbecue, you can't play like the sad songs with Bruce. And, well, all right. And then, well, also, for, then we don't want, we won't go barbecue then. You just, you, you give me three to five that you want to put on this list. Okay. I mean, the river is still one of the most underrated Bruce songs of all time because it's not yeah. a, a happy you know, kind of preppy song. I think I, I'm Going Down is another one that everybody sleeps on for some reason. I don't really know why. So I think if you're favorites. just going... It, really? Okay, yep. see, it's a great song. I think it's the, the mix of the saxophone. The best, I mean, the best Bruce song ever, Jeff, and I think me and you have agreed on this, is Jungle Land. I mean, oh, the, it's the best Bruce song. It's not even close. And I think it's, it's hard not to play Thunder Road I mean, because if you're outside and hanging out, Thunder Road and Born to Run, those are kind of the two go-tos. 
that's it right there for me. I just I think I need to say that it starts with Jungle Land and then works with everything else. That's a hot Bruce debate, though, every single year. Every single summer I see it on Twitter, but there is no debate. Yeah, and I always love when the articles come out and it's like the 336 top-ranked Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. And I get to like 275. I'm like, what are you, nuts? There's no way this is 275. This should be like 250 higher. And we all argue about the yep. most ridiculous things. Absolutely. But, uh, I mean, the, the sax solo in Jungle Land, I mean, literally, I mean, you just... Top I mean, notch. Absolutely. I mean, you, you get chills. It's, you know, just, it's a good vibe going on. But, Connor, I do want to thank you so much. Obviously, you know, uh, always busy. But, guys, you know, check out Connor, uh, Connor Rogers' work over at Bleacher Report. Obviously, the Stick to Football podcast. Uh, I think that's going to, ha- I think that's going to stick, guys. I think that, I think that podcast is going to make it. <laughs> I hope to be so. doing some pretty good things over there. Uh, obviously, you know, Connor with his work over turn on the Jets, and obviously you stick to Jets. So make sure you're following Connor everywhere there. Guys, go ahead, follow the show, uh, the show account at Locked On Browns. Any new listeners, new subscribers, guys, I appreciate you so much. The show is really taking off this month and has a lot to do with you guys more than it does with me. So I appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys spreading the words. If nobody's paying attention, leaves their phone down, go ahead, throw them on a subscription to Locked On Browns for me. Send me a screenshot. We'll appreciate it. Uh, follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, next show you guys are going to get from me, it's going to be post-game. We're doing post-game tomorrow night regardless. Uh, look, Thursday night, could be a little liquor involved. It could be really depressing. It could be really excited. So we'll see you guys if I'm going to go bell to bell in a calendar year with never getting to talk about a Browns win. Until tomorrow night, let's go Browns.